The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, If the world hates you, realize that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, the world would love its own. But because you do not belong to the world and I have chosen you out of the world, the world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you. No slave is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. And they will do all these things to you on account of my name, because they do not know the one who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. The saint whose memory we celebrate today, and again, let's be honest, we say this time and time again, but if I asked you to name your top ten list of saints that you have devotion to, I'm doubting that Polycarp makes the list. And for many of us, this might be the first time we've even heard his name, even though the church celebrates him on the calendar every single year. And it's an obligatory memorial. We're not allowed to skip it. Um, and again, one of the great things about what we do in the Catholic tradition is we do not forget our history, which means precisely not just that we don't forget things that happened, we don't forget those who came before us, those who are in many, on many levels the reason why we have the ability to gather and worship today. Polycarp is one of the real giants of the Christian tradition. As I mentioned at the beginning of Mass, he was in fact a disciple of the Apostle John the Evangelist. And it was St. John himself who designated and named Polycarp Bishop of the city of Smyrna. That same Smyrna that Mary mentioned in our first reading. Um, and um, the tradition has long recognized that one of the ways, and a beautiful way of understanding that reference to the angel of the church of Smyrna, is that it refers to Polycarp, the bishop who was entrusted with its guidance, its protection, and its governance. And this is important because in the book of Revelation, there is this section where the Lord sends messages to the seven churches of Asia Minor. Smyrna is one of them. And it is the only one that is not criticized in some way. As complimentary as the Lord is with some of the other churches, he always says, but I have this against you. And you notice that there is nothing held against this church, the poor church of the poor Bishop Polycarp, which is faithful and mighty in its smallness and in its poverty. But the Lord does promise that there will be persecution that will come to the angel and his church because their witness is so clear. The same thing that we hear in the gospel reading, 
No slave, the Lord says, is greater than his master. If you style yourself my disciple, you've got to understand, if the world has mistreated me, what do you think it's going to do to you? Because you are not more special than I am. But he also says, and this is important for the witness of Polycarp too, that when your word is listened to and obeyed, it's because there's a willingness to listen to me. And this is the twofold example of Polycarp. He is celebrated for the incredible dignity with which he proclaimed, treated, and taught the faith of the church. It was always something precious to him, always something valuable, always something to be carefully preserved. And like his mentor, John the Apostle, who in his letters identifies the spirit of the Antichrist with the temptation to heresy, to lay aside the fullness of truth, Polycarp was more worried about distorting the message than he was about his own safety. And he was greatly preoccupied with not just teaching with clarity, but putting in the hearts of those he formed a similar love for the treasure that is the faith, a similar love for the treasure that is the knowledge of Jesus Christ come in the flesh. And nothing would prevent him from doing that. In fact, there's a remarkable story told about him at one point when he visited Rome to consult with Pope Anacletus about uh, certain matters of the faith, that he encountered a very well-known man, a man named Marcion in the streets of Rome. And Marcion's reputation was well-known. He was one of the proponents of the original heresies that the church struggled with. And he caused many to fall away from the faith with his reckless enthusiasm. And as he approached Polycarp, and Polycarp just passed him by. Because if you don't have anything nice to say, you just don't say it. He stopped Polycarp and said, don't you know me? Don't you know who I am? And this holy bishop who had an incredible reputation of compassion, the way he received sinners and guided them back to truth with such gentleness, turned and looked at him and said, oh, I know exactly who you are. You're the firstborn of Satan. That got everybody's attention because the story is still told today. Um, but, and again, it underscores the fact that he really recognized that we throw the word wicked, even demonic, around a little too easily. Um, and when we do that, we obscure the truth that the real danger at times is the way the faith itself becomes distorted. The way that what is most precious suddenly becomes pressed into the service of other agendas that are not the Lord's. And he, as a bishop, Entrust it with the truth of the one who wrote one of the Gospels was not ever going to let that Gospel be sold short. And that in his living, as well as his teaching, he would hold that forth 
in a way that was visible, clear, recognizable, and unambiguous. And so at the end of his life, we come to this point where he is going to spill his blood in defense of the faith. If they came for me, oh, they're going to come for you, the Lord says. And so Polycarp, as an old man, is alive under the persecution that broke out in Asia during the reign of Marcus Aurelius. And as Christians are being dragged in and being given that terrible choice of simply refer to Caesar as Lord and burn a little incense in his honor or be torn apart by beasts, the martyrdoms began to happen. And Polycarp knew that his day would come. There would be that moment when he would be called to give this witness. But there's a very instructive passage in an ancient work called The Acts of the Martyrdom of Polycarp. And it influenced the early church greatly, this account of how he gave his life. And within the account of the Acts are these descriptions of how other Christians heroically gave their lives, but then how others recklessly volunteered for martyrdom provoking the judges, in a sense, to sentence them. And the Acts condemns this as mere pride, as the mere desire to show forth oneself. And it turns out that the Acts record that those who offered themselves in that way broke down in front of the beasts and renounced. Because this was not a witness to faithfulness to Christ, it was a witness to how strong my faith is. And you know, that's a trap that the enthusiastic believer always has to be careful about. Am I giving witness to Christ or am I giving witness to myself? And so Polycarp, who knew martyrdom was going to come to him, lived just outside of the city where he wouldn't be easy to find, but he didn't hide. And so at some point, the order was given, go get the bishop, go find Polycarp. The population was bloodthirsty, and they wanted the life of the elderly man. And so the soldiers come to the house in which he is staying. And as he gets word that the soldiers are at the door, Polycarp doesn't run. He simply says, God's will be done. And he goes down, and it's absolutely remarkable. He opens the door invites the soldiers in, orders the servants to prepare their best meal for those who have come to arrest him. So he invites them to dinner and then says, all I ask is you leave me alone for a little while so I can pray. And they did that. And he stepped to the side and stood in prayer for two or three hours. And he prayed for his own church and he prayed for the growth of the church around the world. And he prayed for those who were going to likewise join him in giving their lives for the faith. And he prayed for the future of the church. He prayed for you in that room in Asia Minor just a couple hours before he was taken away. Absolutely beautiful and absolutely remarkable. And as the story goes, about half of the soldiers who came repented that they volunteered for this job. They still had to do it, but now they did it with tremendous regret when they saw this old man 
pray with such fervor. And it wasn't the frailty of the old man that provoked their sympathy. It was the way he poured his heart out to heaven. And they knew that they were, in, they were witnessing something and someone great. But his greatness was his consciousness of that one who was always greater than him. What a, and so as he's, as he's being threatened and then try, they try to bribe him. Look, you're old. This is going to hurt. Just do a little thing. And his response was, I've served the Lord for 86 years, and he's never done me wrong. Why am I going to turn my back on him now? Absolutely beautiful. And this is how he gave his life, with this kind of faith, this kind of spirit. But this hidden lesson in how Polycarp dies is modeled on what St. John taught him about the death of Jesus. Jesus, who came to give his life on the cross, also didn't go giving people an excuse to come and take him. Rather, he waited heaven's time. And so he waited until they laid hands on him, and then he went. And that's what Polycarp did. Others wanted to dash out and prove themselves. But the holy man knows that this doesn't happen on my time. If it happens at all, it happens on heaven's time, on the Lord's time. And so if they will lay hands on me, then I will go. But I'm not going to stand there and say, here I am, put your hands on me. Because that's drawing attention to me and not to the Lord. What a beautiful and important witness this is, this man who around the year 167 spilled his blood after a long and holy life in this way. This man referenced in Scripture itself in that curiously hidden way, the angel of Smyrna. This man who influenced the faith of St. Irenaeus, who influenced the faith of early popes, who influenced the faith of St. Jerome later, who when he encountered stories of the life of Polycarp was deeply moved by them. This man whom St. Ignatius of Antioch visited when he was being taken away to give his life, and Polycarp kissed his chains, and he said, and you pray for and take care of the people of my city too. Um, just an absolutely remarkable witness and a remarkable figure. It is a shame he is not better known. But especially for the way how late in his life, when the rulers of the area came to him with their false promises of friendship and mercy, if he but compromised a little bit. And this man who gave his life to never selling his faith short, said, I will not lay down even the smallest portion of it for your wealth and your comfort and whatever safety you think you can provide me. Rather, the Lord who has been my help and my guide all my life long is the one with whom I will unite myself now. His final words to his judge were, as they threatened him with burning, 
Now, the flames that you can kindle will last but a few minutes. Oh, but those other flames prepared for the wicked, they last forever. This is an easy choice. What a remarkable amount of courage, what a remarkable amount of faith. And it is, whenever we look at these examples, it is important to recognize what we celebrate is the whole life of Polycarp. And what we consider here in talking about the way he gave his life is his mature faith, not his first faith, his mature faith. And these great witnesses, these ancient witnesses to the faith, especially these old men at the end of their lives who faced such terror and remained so faithful, what they show us is how the might of the gospel over years of faithful living can assert itself so powerfully in a life that is otherwise so very weak in the eyes of the world. Well, we want to be careful because when we consider these examples, if we say, that is so not me, I could not do that, I am so not ready for that test, we should recognize we have the challenging example of a holy life lived long and well that was shaped little by little every day by grace to get to that point. And so the examples of the martyrs, the examples of the great saints are not simply markers or measuring sticks where we say, wow, I fall so short. They're actually signs of where human life can go, of where the life of the faithful can go if we invest ourselves in living our faith well. What a beautiful thing that is to be reminded of that. We don't remember the martyrs because we want to have in front of us all the ways we don't measure up. We remember the martyrs as a sign of what the grace of God can accomplish, even in my weak life, even in a life as weak and inconstant as mine, if it learns to become every day just a little more constant, a little more surrendered to the fullness of truth and the living of the faith. And what a great thing that is. In a sense then, what we celebrate at Mass and what will happen in just a few minutes is we will come forward and stretch out our hands to the Lord who says, if the world persecuted me, guess what happens for you? There will be difficulty that you will face. We have the example of those who face the greatest difficulties to strengthen us in our smaller difficulties. But that same Lord who sustained Polycarp all his life long is that Lord to whom you will extend your hand. And you will take him into your heart. That same Lord who strengthened Polycarp is with you to be your strength too. What a great thing that is. But why do we do this today? Why do we get to do this today? Because a guy like Polycarp was so faithful so long ago. We remember him, and when we remember him, we know that history happened between the resurrection of Jesus and our gathering here in the Shrine Church, and that history involved faithful men and faithful women 
whose heroic witness brought the faith through the ages down to our present day. Jesus didn't show up physically and built this church, and he didn't knock on your door and invite you here today. But you're here today because Polycarp was faithful, and so many others across the years were faithful. What he received from John, John received from Jesus, and he handed on to the bishop after him, and through all of those years, here we are. And that same sacrament that Polycarp celebrated on his altar in the ch church in Smyrna is the sacrament we celebrate here. And that same Jesus that he brought to his congregation in Holy Communion is the same Lord Jesus whom you receive. And how absolutely beautiful that is. Because we have to recognize, when we talk about Holy Communion, it's never just my private communion with Christ. It's also my communion with His church. And not just with those who are in the building with me, but with the church around the world today, but also the church through the ages and its faithfulness. And the Holy Communion that we receive is likewise communion with Polycarp, and communion with Anacletus, and communion with Irenaeus and communion with John and Peter and Paul and Thomas. How absolutely marvelous that is. These memorials are beautiful because they remind us of the richness of our history. We don't remember what somebody else did a long time ago. We remember what one of us did. And that's a marvelous thing. Amen. <laughs>